Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Tethered Nation. I'm sure you've heard mention of Tethered Nation. You're probably wondering what the hell is this nation you speak of. Well, I'm glad that you asked. If you are looking for an elevated hunting system that is light, mobile, customizable with a Molly attachment system, and above all else, is super ridiculously safe, then you need to check out the Tethered Mantis Saddle and Predator Platform. I took the plunge last year in saddle hunting, and I'm using both the Mantis Saddle and Predator Platform and haven't looked back since. If you've been, if you think being more mobile or lighter will help you in the deer woods, go to tetherednation.com. That's T-E-T-H-R-D-N-A-T-I-O-N.com and learn more about all their products today. Hello and welcome to the Truth From Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 126. And today I'm joined by the CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Land Tawny. So stay tuned. All right, all right. What is up, everyone? Hope everyone is doing good out there. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you had a chance to enjoy a little bit of this nice weather we've been having. This past weekend was awesome. I have, I can't have, uh, I don't really have a memory of a better weekend in recent memory um, with just like the nice temperatures, low humidity. You know, it just it was almost perfect weather for this time of year. So I hope all the, all you out there listening had a chance to get out and do some some deer work, whether it was hanging trail cameras or whether it was getting that you know, food plot in that finally dried out or maybe hanging some sets or prepping some trees or, or, or something, but I hope you had a chance to get out and enjoy it. My wife and I spent the entire weekend, uh, outdoors and, and rightfully so, um, with the coffee company, with the skull brew coffee company that we have. Um, I think I mentioned in the past that we uh, are a sponsor of backcountry hunters and anglers, um, the Pennsylvania chapter, of course. Um, and Chris, Chris Hennessy, a buddy of ours, he's been on the show before invited us to muster in the mountains, which was, the first and largest uh, East Coast gathering for backcountry hunters and anglers. I'm sure all you guys out there, you know, listening are aware that, you know, BHA of course does their rendezvous out west, which is to you know a lot of a lot of fanfare, super cool event, and so this was an event that they were throwing on the, the on the East Coast, which is pretty significant. Um, you know, given that this, you know, I think the perception is that this is very much more a Western kind of focused, um, organization, or at least its membership focus is, is out West. Uh, so it was a big deal for it to have this happen on the East coast and in Pennsylvania specifically, I think says a lot. I think 
the number that I heard actually is that I want to say Pennsylvania is the second biggest chapter in backcountry hunters and anglers. Second, I believe only to, to Montana. So PA has, uh, the number that I was, that I was told this past weekend was like around 1500, uh, members in the Pennsylvania chapter. And just to give you a little comparison, you know, Montana has about 2,500, uh, so a thousand behind, which is, you know, uh, a little bit of a gap. Uh, but if you think about, you know, where we were and where we are now, so just to give you an example, uh, uh, roughly a year ago, Pennsylvania's chapter stood at about 300 and this year we are at 15. So that's a five X, uh, increase in, in just one year. So that speaks volumes to the work that the folks at the, the PA chapter are doing. And so this event was kind of, I think, representative of how much the East Coast has grown and, and, and the awareness that has been, you know, kind of uh, provided to the, the issues, you know, surrounding conservation public lands, uh, public access, et cetera, here in the Eastern part of the country, which was, which is just super rad. But the, uh, the event was awesome. They did a killer job, uh, setting it up and, uh, a lot of cool games and stuff like that. But the big takeaway for me really was, you know, of course there was a lot of good hunting talk and stuff like that. And of course ran into buddies like, you know, like my buddy, you know, Bo Martonic, who he actually is on this podcast with me and was, uh, you know, with me and talking to land. So we decided to tackle some things together this weekend, but it was making new friends. You know, it was people who maybe I'd followed on Instagram but never had a chance to meet or didn't get a chance to run into at ATA or whatever. Um, or just people from, you know, random places that you don't even know that showed up. I mean, there was people that were showing up from Kentucky, the Carolinas, New Hampshire. Um, I think, I think, uh, there was, uh, there was some folks from Virginia, of course, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Delaware was all re- well represented, but I was really kind of surprised as the, how far reaching this, this event was, um, want to make mention, you know, I, I had followed her on Instagram for, for a while, her and her, uh, her and her significant other. So, you know, Allie and Nick from Allie outdoors and, uh, and, uh, Warren and weathered got to hang out with them. I don't know that I could meet two cooler people and just two folks who are more fun to hang out with that are just ate up with the outdoors. Um, so it was super cool to get to know them and, and, and hang out with them. Um, and then the other, this other fellow, so his, his name's Tori And if you don't follow him, you should, you should check him out on, on Instagram. Um, he messaged me during the course of the week and, you know, it asked me if I was going to be at, at the event and, uh, wanted to just kind of connect and chat. And so was happy to, to do it. He stopped by the, the coffee tent and we were just talking hunting, hunting strategies and, and, and BS and super cool dude. Um, had a great time talking to him, and, but you know what I didn't realize, you know, in just kind of our casual conversation online and stuff like that was, is that this dude is a serious knife builder, and so we t- kind of talked about that a little bit, and you know, a little foreshadowing. Hopefully, there'll be a podcast in the near future talking to him. But this is just a type of people that were there. We were, got to talk, and he showed me some of his knives, and then he actually gave me one of the custom knives that he made, which was, which is a beautiful knife. And you can see it on my Instagram page. Um, it, it, the, his company name for anyone who wants to check it out is called uh, sacred bear knives. You can follow them on Instagram and check it out. But just, it was just that kind of brotherhood and camaraderie that, that everyone was kind of working toward during the whole weekend. And it didn't matter where you were from or what your background was or whatever the case might be. Everyone was there for the same reason, which was to just kind of have a, have a weekend of, of, of sharing outdoor experiences, regardless of where you came from or what your, what your background is, um, which was super cool. The other kind of next level thing was, was the amount of kids that was there, uh, or that were there. Um, you know, we, 
our age group or our, our, you know, our generation, if you will, is going to do so much. And, you know, hopefully we're charged with setting a solid foundation for the next group of hunters and anglers that come behind us to kind of take the mantle and move it and move it even further forward. But I think we're kind of here to lay the foundation and what really was kind of nice to see, you know, and might even go as far as to say is that, you know, warm the heart a little bit was to see the number of kids that were there just enjoying the outdoors. Like the, there was a kid, it was, um, they were from Kentucky. I think they were from Kentucky. There was a wild game cook-off and their dad brought them in and they brought the one, the one boy killed his first deer this year and saved his back straps since he killed his deer because he wanted to come do this cook-off and brought his back straps to this, to this event and did a cook-off, a wild game cook-off and ended up winning the cook-off. And so just to think about the story that he has at such a young age of, of, you know, taking this animal and then doing something super cool with it, with his dad, making a memory and then sharing it with, you know, the several hundred people that were there to kind of witness him, you know, almost enter into the outdoors in, in a different way. Um, not just as a hunter, but, you know, as an outdoorsman and as a conservationist. And that was just super cool to see. I even, one kid's a pretty good shot. He actually shot me in the neck with a Nerf gun. Um, you know, had to teach him maybe to, you know, want to aim a little lower, you know, maybe put it, put it, put it behind the, the, the front shoulder and it might be a better shot, but, uh, it was just super cool to see all the kids. The other takeaway was, is like, if you're out there and you have kids, don't buy them any toys, just give them a pile of dirt and they'll play for days. Cause every kid played in the gravel, even if they had toys, they, they kind of gravitated toward the gravel. Um, but it was just a super cool event. Um, I, I'm already looking forward to, to doing it next year. Hopefully it's something that happens annually. I can't believe that they, they wouldn't do it annually. Um, just because it was, I think it went off without a hitch. And I think that, you know, just as it goes forward year over year, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And I can see a day when the East coast, when the muster in the mountains or whatever it ends up being called, you know, going forward that it rivals the, 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 you know, the rendezvous out West. Um, but today's show is, is, is super cool. Um, you know, Lan, Lantani is, of course, the the leader of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and uh, Bo and I were able to steal him for a little while. It's, this is a short podcast because, as you can imagine, at, at these types of events, you know, he's in, in high demand to, to talk to folks and make some presentations and stuff like that, and that was that was the case. We were able to steal him for about 25 to 30 minutes in chat, but you know, the, the one thing I want to mention, you know, was, you know, as we were packing up on Sunday morning, my wife showed up, my wife and I showed up to serve coffee to everyone who was packing up their gear, their tents and stuff like that, and and getting out of there, we figured everyone would probably need to be caffeinated. And, uh, land was just kind of walking around, talking to everyone, talking to the volunteers, talking to, you know, his staff from the different chapters and, um, you know, showing of course, gratitude to the hard work that they've done and just enjoying the, just kind of taking it all into a degree. Um, and he stopped over to talk to, to, to Megan and I, and we just kind of started BSing a little bit. And the one thing that kind of struck me, and I didn't think about it until, until he mentioned it, which was, you know, there wasn't, I can't recall there being a single quote unquote asshole in the group the entire weekend. You always get that 10% asshole factor. Doesn't matter where you go. You could be in church and you're going to have 10% of the people in the church are assholes. You can go to a concert and it could be the calmest concert you've ever been to. It could be a James Taylor concert. You're going to have 10% of the people in the audience are going to be assholes going to get drunk and ruin someone's time. It just goes without fail, right? It's just kind of like human nature. This is probably the first time that I can remember where I went someone 
and there or I went somewhere and there wasn't a single problem. You didn't hear a single person say an even slightly negative remark about anyone or anything at all. Period. Full stop. Which just to me, when you get a group of people together and there was, you know, there were drinks involved, there was a beer vendor there, everyone was socially lubricated as much as they wanted to be or needed to be. And there was just not a single issue. And that really kind of struck me. And and then whenever Land came over and was, was talking to us as we were packing up, he said something that kind of, I guess, hearkened, you know, back to that thought, which was he had a guy come up to him that was from New Hampshire and it's not a hunter. He's a backpacker, never hunted a day in his life. And he, you know, walked up and was, was talking to Land and Land asked him about something or whatever. And he had mentioned that he was a backpacker and this I think was unsolicited. And he said, you know, I, I came here really kind of unsure first off whether he was going to go or not. Number two, when he got there, he was unsure how he was going to be greeted considering he's not a hunter and was anticipating that all conversations during the course of the weekend was going to be geared around hunting and angling, right? Of which he does neither. And so he was kind of thinking that when he got there, he was like, I'm probably going to you know, immediately have to kind of pull out. It's going to be like, show your hunter, you know, tough guy card at the entrance before you enter type of thing. So people know, you know, who and what you are and, and, and how you rate against everybody else. And he said to his surprise, not a single person there asked him if he hunted or fished and or why he was there, which to me is really the whole point of the stuff that we talk about, the stuff that we preach and the stuff that be that backcountry hunters and anglers is doing and exactly what they stand for. It's not about, you know, the, who you are, or who you, who you think you are. It It's about doing the work and putting forth the ideas and the right attitudes that are going to benefit, not us, screw us as hunters. It's about the, wildlife and it's about the land it's about the habitat it's it's about conserving those things and i think this weekend kind of brought that to light that it wasn't about the people that were there it was but it was about the group that was there it was about the community um and that was really kind of my takeaway takeaway from the weekend so i'm super excited to jump in to this podcast and share the conversation with you that bo and i were able to have with uh with lantani but before we do that uh, before we kick this episode off, I just wanted to make mention once again that our friends at Exodus have Velvet Fest going on, and it lasts roughly a month. It's going to run till July 12th, and if you're not familiar with what Velvet Fest is, we consider it the official start to deer season, and Exodus helps us get this ball rolling. So all month, they're going to give out prizes. They've been giving out prizes for the past two weeks for anyone who uses the hashtag Velvet Fest and social media, showing whatever you're getting into with your, with your whitetail adventures. So whether you're doing food plots, shooting your bow, trimming lanes, whatever it is, post it on social, hashtag Velvet Fest will get you entered. Also, if you're in the market for a trail camera, hashtag Velvet Fest is the perfect opportunity to get ready for the season. Every single camera order comes with a gift ranging from a Wicked Tree Gear hand saw, Skull Brew Coffee, uh, Deer Aging Kit, and or Exodus Merch. Also, every single camera or order comes with a random prize card that you'll get to scratch off and reveal a prize. It's kind of like a uh, lottery scratch off, and they've been giving away some pretty killer prizes. So with this celebration, you might be wondering what exactly are they giving away as prizes in general when they do the drawings from your when you tag 
your social posts with hashtag VelvetFest. Well, they've already given away a Maven rifle uh, scope. They've already given away an Exodus truck hammer package. And what is coming up in week three and week four is a tethered package, which you're not going to want to miss, and an Exodus render package, which you're also not going to miss because it's their new cell camera that's coming out, which is kick-ass. You'll automatically be entered with uh, any purchase on the website for the grand prize. There's a lot to this campaign, so you just want to head over to their website, which is exodusoutdoorgear.com, and uh, sign up for their newsletter because they'll be giving out a lot of information, announcing winners, et cetera, uh, through their through their newsletter. And they'll also have a VelvetFest calendar and highlights with all the details there, so you'll be able to kind of see what the uh, the, the coming weeks will have to have to offer. So if you're not familiar with Exodus though, which I'd be hard pressed to think that you're not, if you're listening to this podcast, but over the last four years, they've consistently shown that they build kick-ass cameras. They have a five-year theft policy. They have a five-year, the camera's backed by a five-year warranty. That's right. Five years, half a decade that you're not going to have to worry about if your camera shits out or gets, or gets stolen. So be sure to take part of Velvet Fest celebration and be sure to tag Exodus in any of your posts because our buddies at Exodus will want to see what you got going on for the prep of deer season. So with that, let's go ahead and get to the conversation with Lantani. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to a unique episode of this podcast. This is a co-brand podcast with myself, Clint, from Truth From The Stand, and I have my buddy, Bo Martonic, from East Meets West. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good episode. And a couple of them here, we're going to kind of yeah. co-brand here, kind of collaborating and and doing some recording here so I'm, I'm super excited for it yeah we're showing a little unity in the hunting space here a little unity <laughs> let's yeah. get more of that right, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. how about it so you might those of you out there listening might be familiar with the gentleman's voice who just chimed in <laughs> we are at the muster in the mountains events for bha this is our east coast event and we're joined by none other than lantani how's it going man dude i'm having a great time this uh I love being here, have all these people come in. We have people like from Kentucky, people from New York, people from Ohio, like all these people are coming in and uh, the party's just starting, so I'm excited for today. Yeah, I was surprised with the different, because, you know, coming into this, I was like, I wasn't sure how widespread it was going to be. I was thinking like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, might get a few West Virginians, maybe a couple Ohioans, is that even, or a Buckeye maybe, is a better way to phrase there it. it yeah, English <laughs> words, they mean things. Um <laughs> You know, but I was surprised. I, like you said, I've seen people from Kentucky and Virginia, which is, I mean, it's super cool. It just kind of shows the the growth that we've had on the East Coast and how people are getting engaged and um, and supporting the movement that the, the BHA has kind of put forth and supporting the vision. So it's, it's absolutely it's exciting to see. And I think you know this is our this is our biggest party that we've ever had east of the Mississippi. Yeah, and you know we're born in the West, but as you just described, like we're growing here in the East, and this is our biggest event yet. So I think people just wanted to be around it, and you know, and I mean, I think you know. They've, they've found their team and they want to be around their team. Yeah. And so this is a great way for all these people to kind of meet each other. Yeah. And, uh, and if not, uh, if they have, maybe it's reconnecting with people they've only seen like once or twice. Right. So, yeah, I know last night coming in early, um, you know, my wife and I went back to our Airbnb. I'm a camp type. She's, more of a glamp type, maybe you know. Well, you so. had to you had to like say that online, like you know. <laughs> yeah, like, you, know, you know, hey, like, <laughs> podcast all about transparency, and you know, we're not hiding anything here. And I know, bet so. she doesn't listen to your podcast. Does <laughs> no, she? she has in the past. Actually, she listened to like a recent one, and she made a comment. She's like, "What do you mean by 
something like you know, I didn't say battle axe, but it was maybe something as bad as that, right? And she's like, What did you mean by that? And I was like, Oh, this is just hunt and talk, babe. Like, you know, it's just what I say with the guys, you know. It's like it, it, it went over like a lead zeppelin. It was not good. Um But I think, you know, before we get too far too far into this, you know, you're you're well known of course in the space, but for anyone out there that's listening to this podcast and maybe started got into this kind of new and doesn't have as much background on who you are and what you do, if you wouldn't mind, just give us the, the cliff notes version of that. Yeah, so I'm very lucky. I grew up in Montana, fifth generation. Uh, my family was very involved in conservation. My dad was the first lawyer for the Elk Foundation when they started in 1985 until he passed away in 95. I would say that my father passing away is why I'm here today. Okay. Uh, really, it created this huge hole, but at the same time, it's an opportunity for me to kind of follow on his footsteps a little bit. And, uh, and so I got a wildlife biology degree at the University of Montana, fresh out of school, was with the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership for a little bit, um, for three and a half years, and then went to work for the National Wildlife Federation. And then six years ago, came over here to BHA. And, you know, BHA, is, is they started in, around a campfire 2004. You know, all good things happen around a campfire late at right, night. Can't exactly. wait for this big one we're going to have tonight. Know, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, they looked at the playing field of all the sports and organizations that are out there, and nobody's really focused on public lands and public waters. You know, great work being done by the Elk Foundation, Ducks Unlimited, Pheasants Forever, but nobody's really focused on public lands, and so their idea was to make sure that we have access to public lands and waters and then the fish and wildlife habitat when you get there. Very simple. Now, that starts all the way from a local level. Here in Pennsylvania, they're working on Sunday hunting right now, so that's like mm. just more opportunity. But then there's things you know, that we work on in, in Washington, D.C. as well. And so it's just, again, that base is always trying to make sure you have access to public lands and waters. And, you know, we could have access to a parking lot, but we don't want that, right? We want access to good quality habitat when we yeah. get there. So right. that's what we're working on. Right. And just... An important, I think, thing to for folks out there to, to know, I guess, is that even though we are backcountry hunters and anglers, right? Like the access isn't just for those folks, right? It's not just like there's uh, there's benefits beyond just those of us who like to go a field or like to throw a throw a line in a stream, right? It's like anyone out there, whether it's a bird watcher, whether it's a hiker, a camper, whatever the case is, like we're all we're all kind of in this together. It would be nice if we could figure out ways that we could all start to share maybe a little bit more of the the burden, if you will, sure. or, you know, or the, you know, or pushing for the progress, you yeah. know, maybe. Um, but I think that'll come as we continue to do events like this and people get involved. You know, I think it's just- The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. It's an exciting time. I mean, I'd, I'd go further. I mean, I think you're exactly right that there's a lot of like this shared kind of uh, experience, you know, whether that's like the solitude, the challenge, the adventure that you can go have on public lands. And so whether you're a mountain biker, a kayaker, a backcountry skier, I think we all share that. So there's that piece. But I would also say, that you know the outdoor economy which is 887 billion dollars in this country which is sustainable and something that we can grow like that should mean something to every american and then clean air and clean water you know clean air and clean water like it we all depend on that right yeah. and the majority of that comes from our public lands and so to me if you don't hunt or fish or utilize our uh, our public lands like clean air and clean water still matter to you and right. so i think that matters to all americans and so i think you know i think we're all trying to figure out ways to work more together. And um, I think, you know, there's some indication that that's working. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think if you go to places that 
we take some of those things for granted, mm -hmm. right? You know, I, I, coming from Pennsylvania, right? I've never had an issue with clean air, clean water where I grew up, right? Because sure. I grew up in, you know, as we were talking before we hopped on the podcast, Pennsylvania, Bo's from PA yeah. as well, from, from rural PA. But when you think about places, you know, not to bring up a sore subject, but places like Flint, Michigan, right, comes, mm -hmm. to, comes to mind, right? It's like the basic, what we would consider to be things you should just naturally have, like almost like a God-given right, right? They don't have, right. right? And they're struggling with it. It's causing some serious health concerns, which then parlays into, you know, a healthcare system that's strapped and, and, and increasing costs there, which impacts Ameri Americans. So it's, it's not just, I think all these things people fail somewhat whenever they look at it as an isolated you know episode or incident right there's downstream effects that all these things have no that, pun intended right exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you know <laughs> if if you if people really understood what that meant for the downstream kind of you know impact it does become an issue to them because maybe they don't hunt maybe they don't hike maybe maybe they don't care about fishing or whatever that's fine but like do you care about these other ancillary things Absolutely. that that are going to impact you and not just you but generations to come absolutely you know? so i don't know if you have anything to add to that but yeah and it's funny because uh, so i grew up in the, the heart of the pennsylvania wilds area the allegheny national forest everything so i was i never realized you know how lucky i was to have that i just could go out my door and hunt you know wherever that's just you had a big backyard up. yeah you had a big backyard exactly yeah, yeah, yeah and i when i moved away to the the pittsburgh area for a while that's when i really appreciated it when i couldn't just I'm like what do you mean i can't you know, just hunt anywhere, you know, it was just, I was completely blinded by it until, you know, then I ended up moving back and I just appreciated it so much more. And, and my, nor my normal career, you know, as an environmental and safety engineer, the environmental part, you know, I work in a factory, but it's all about the water regulation, what's going in there, doing sampling, that stuff, the air, um, air permitting, and just kind of, so I, I look at it all from a different point of view now than I did. And I think a lot more people are kind of with BHA kind of coming up and, and a lot of other, you know, positive things that uh, just able to relate to it a little bit more and just think of it in a different light. I, right. I guess it's just, it's out there a little bit more now than ever. And it's right. an awesome thing to see. I think that thing you said about taking things for granted, like I think that's something that we all need to be like thinking about. Yeah. And, you know, like this, these 640 million acres that belongs to everybody, mm -hmm. like, if you don't know where that came from and you don't know kind of like what's going on with that, like, like that apathy, like that is like going to be the demise of these public lands that are, you know, that are unique in the world. And so these public lands that, you know, it doesn't matter who your parents are, doesn't matter what your political affiliation is, doesn't matter how much money you made last year, like they belong to all of us. Right. Like that piece, like that's the aspirational piece that we're trying to like preach because that's only been around for about 140 years, you know? Right. And so like that could, it could go away. And like when that, once that goes away, you very rarely get that back. Right. And it's it's one of those things that I say, and I know that there's, you know, I believe Canada has some public lands and, and, and so forth as well, but it's one of those things, if you look across the globe, that is very quintessentially almost American, totally. right? That we that we have that, right? And it's it's one of those things. We have a lot of freedoms and, and privileges that we are willing to go to bat and fight for, yeah. right? And this seems to be kind of the they're the forgotten one. To, yeah, well, to this is, and it's a, and, it, and it's again. I don't think there's anything more American than our public lands. You right. Know? Yeah. I mean, they're they're it's very democratic the way they're managed. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. everybody has a voice. Yep. Which sometimes you know, that's discouraging because maybe we don't get exactly what we want. Right. But I think that's an important piece about it is is that you know they're managed for multiple use, the majority of them, and that means not all uses all the time everywhere. Right. right? And so there's there's like I I mean I think people that uh, 
that manage our public lands. Like, it's one of the hardest jobs ever, right? Like, you're trying yeah. to make everybody happy. And that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. And then they're charged with, you know, managing all the dissenting opinions. Right? Absolutely. And those dissenting opinions, you know, just like in a court of law, makes whatever it is you come out with stronger. Right? Because you've had the opportunity to hear all, all sides. Absolutely. Um, I want to comment on something or just kind of follow up on something you had had mentioned just about taking things for granted and, and yeah. stuff like that because it feels like and i wanted to get your perspective on this because you have a great bird's eye view with, with, with what you do but the apathy seems like it's more significant in the east versus the west like whenever like the friends that i have in the west right they seem much more in tune with what's going on in their public spaces what's going on with their environment and stuff like that it seems like on the east coast people just aren't quite as as connected to it and i don't know if you see that as well with like the bha in terms of like numbers you know what regions are growing the most and what types of actions you know regions are taking or or not taking maybe might be a better way to put it so just from your perspective do you do you see that and what do you kind of attribute that to if you do see it uh i don't know if i i don't know if i totally see that i think that i mean i and if there is that piece, I would say it in a couple of ways. I mean, you talked about the Allegheny here. Yeah. You know, there's public lands all over the east, you know, eastern part of the United States, but it's not as prevalent as it is in the West, right? And mm-hmm. so it's not, it's not as everyday kind of. I mean, you grew up, you know, in the yeah. Allegheny, so that's like I think you're a, a little bit unique in that piece. But I think so. Maybe there's that disconnect a little bit from public lands because there just isn't as much, mm-hmm. you know, out here in the east. But I, man, like the Pennsylvania chapter right now, it's growing like a weed, and like I made a bet. One of the chapter leaders at Rendezvous, that, uh, and he says that they're going to have the most membership by 2021. Nice. Now, we've only bet a bottle of whiskey, so it's not like there's so, a huge so, like, yeah. problem. And right? everyone's you know? winning. Okay? Yeah, exactly. You know, so exactly. Like, let's be fair. But it's the ambition. I think, you know, again, like, uh, you know, even if you didn't grow up right next to the Allegheny and it's in your backyard, like that 640 million acres belongs to everybody. And I think, you know, that public land owner shirt that, that's kind of a slogan that we use all the time. Once people figure that out, that apathy changes pretty quickly. But if you don't know that piece, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I've traveled all over the country and especially when I'm in airports and you wear that t-shirt and either you're getting high fives or somebody's like, what does that mean? Yeah. And yeah. it's this little short conversation. All of a sudden it's like, and their mind is blown. Right. Yeah. And, I, and to me, so it's about teaching. I think once you teach, and so maybe people out in the West, just because they're around it more, they know more about it. Um, and then once you teach people that don't know anything about it, they're, they're super excited and, and more engaged. In it. Yeah. It's funny. I, I wore that shirt to my uh, grandparents' house one day. Yeah. And my grandpa, he's about, I think he's 85 years old. He goes, public landowner, what land do you own? Wait, pu- pu- public, he's like <laughs> trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. He's thinking too deep into it. And I was yeah, explaining yeah, yeah. it. And yeah. uh, it was funny. But so like, you know, like you were saying how it's unique that I grew up in that area. I hosted a pint night there, uh, I don't know, maybe three months ago now. And a lot of people showed up, but I was really surprised still, even in, you know, my hometown area that weren't familiar with, well, one BHA and also just kind of like the, the threats that are, you know, out there for public lands and how lucky we are. Cause like I said, the taking for granted piece of it and I, and kind of to your point a little bit on that, I just, I didn't, I didn't realize that there was a gap like that, especially mm-hmm. in the, it seemed like the middle age kind of generation with it. It was, mm-hmm. I think. I guess the younger generation seems to be picking up on it a little bit more where it seemed like around my father's age and stuff like that. Like they just, they just, that's just what it was, you know, mm-hmm. and didn't think much more about it. Sure. That's not, I don't want to put a, you know, blanket statement out there, but it, for the majority, that's what it kind of seemed like. Right. So it's, it's, it's cool to be able to kind of put, 
you know, get that word out and even through different things like pint nights and right. everyone likes to drink beer and talk hunting. So <laughs> might as well have a good well, purpose behind it. Like you're it. building like a community, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think people are starving, you know, I mean, like, like this like internet world that we're living in, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it's kind of easy to communicate with like likes and, you know, like a one right. little comment. Like conversations we're having right now, I think people are starving for it. And so oh, when yeah. you have like a pint night, and, and yes, beer brings people together since they've had the first beer, right? Yeah. Like, but like it's a little social lubrication, <laughs> exactly. But I think it's like like people are wanting to have conversations, you know. Yeah. And and this this idea that we communicate by memes, you know, and stuff like that, like is ridiculous to me, you know. Like people want to talk, and so I think thank you for doing that for yeah. one. And then two, when you're at those things, like you're educating people, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's in a soft way, you know. You're not like this shall be that way. You're just having conversations and then they, those conversations, you know, those fingers go out someplace else and then hopefully they're talking to people when they get home. Right. Yeah. I think the important part too is that people can need to recognize that supporting conservation, you can do it in a multitude of ways, right? I wrote an article for a publication that was around the idea of using your natural abilities and like your God given talents to support conservation. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, for example, it's like, you know, you pay your dues, maybe you're part of BHA and you pay your membership, you know, every year and stuff like that. And maybe you can't go into your pocket to give to give more, and that's okay. Sure. It's like there's a lot of other ways. Like if you're a forester or something like that, you can be helping. You know, uh, your chapter do habitat reconstruction rehabilitation. Absolutely. If you're a CPA, you can help your chapter by helping them with their books. Everyone needs Absolutely. like financial or legal help, right? Yeah. So it's like hopefully not legal help. Hopefully not legal help. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> stay away from that. But in the event, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's always good to have a lawyer to keep you out of trouble. Right. right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But there's a lot of different different ways. Whether you start a business and you donate back like through you know like the profits that you make or whatever totally. right so there's a lot of different ways to do that so i, I want to talk about i think your vision for for bha because you know i want to get a sense of like from your in your opinion you know a kind of a state of the union like where are we at now mm-hmm. right and then what is you know we, we've come very far in a short period of time right yeah, yeah. and so what is our vision for the future like what do you see us kind of turning into yeah, i'll give you a kind of like the cliff notes of like where we're at right now so we're at thirty-seven thousand members I'll put that in perspective. Six years ago, we were at 1,000 members, so that's been quite a growth. Yeah. Uh, to kind of the driving part of that is chapters, and so now we have state chapters in 45 states around the country, uh, two Canadian provinces, one uh, territory up in Yukon. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's where we're at there. Uh, staff-wise, you know, six years ago, it was myself and a couple part-time staff. Uh, now we have 30 full-time staff, and, and that the majority of those are chapter coordinators around the country to help build our chapters. Um, so Chris Hennessy here in Pennsylvania, I mean, that's, yep. I think where we have staff on the ground that can uh, facilitate and uh, encourage and then um, really connect like folks, uh, we're, we're growing like gangbusters right now. And so that's kind of like the state of where we are. I guess the last thing I would say is that when I first started, our funding really came from a couple of foundations like about 90% of our funding was there and that's a scary place to be now. Like we're way more diverse in our funding. And so that's something I'll talk about like now as a piece is that like the more diverse we get, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. We're going to be okay. And membership is a big piece of that. And you know, that $25 or the hundred dollars a year for sustaining or life memberships, like all that is adding into a pot that is unrestricted money. And so we can use that for whatever we want. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, keeping the lights on, it's getting staff out on the ground. And so when I look at our chapter coordinators and having 10, 11 of those right now, some of them have six, seven states that they're working in. And that's way too much, way too much. I've done this kind of work and I feel like probably two states is about right. If you only have one state, then there's nothing to like kind of compare it to. Plus it's like, I think you get too focused on that piece. Mm -hmm. um, And then you can't learn things from other places. And so vision for me 
is really to have those chapter coordinators, uh, one for every two states, one for every two Canadian provinces and territories. And so that way we have people on the ground that can really kind of build this army. Uh, membership, you know, I said 37,000. You know, what's the future look like? I think, you know, we've been punching way above our weight for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, now that we have 37,000 members, we're like, you know, we're in that heavyweight class, but like, what's going to happen when we're at a hundred thousand, you know, right. I mean, I'm super excited about that piece. Mm-hmm. And so, um, don't just grow members to, you know, for membership sake, you know, there's right. that money piece, but it's really like those people being engaged and like being able to call and like show up and do events, do a cleanup, you know, do some repairing like, like, uh, uh, restoration. And so super important, um, to kind of continue to grow that piece. And then like that, that diversifying of money, you know, I think that, um, you know, working with our corporate partners and, and all that piece, like that just helps us uh, be more sustainable. Right. Um, but what's the future look like? Man, I want us to be the go-to organization all over this country, all over the world when it comes to public lands and public waters. And right. so that when a decision is being made, that we're able to include the voices of the people on the ground. And that's really what our job is as staff, is to be a megaphone for those people. Yeah, and like you said, the community aspect of it is we're where it's probably why it's growing you know so quickly because everyone's so engaged and and it's not just a a membership that you pay every year because you think it's for a good cause you know it's people want to be involved in it or just super pumped like the the energy of this event is like it's awesome like gets me pumped up you know and that's all across the country man like i I keep i went to indiana where they got like one two percent public land and i was like or no it's iowa excuse me and i was like what like why are you guys and they're just like fired up man and they want to like they want to grow what they already have right now yeah but they also like they want to they want to you know be able to go into the west they want to go into pennsylvania and be able to you know check out their kingdom as i like to call it right right Right. but no it's uh i think that vision really for me um is us to be sustainable uh us and which you know means money it means uh being able to um, facilitate folks on the ground and then I think it's being the go-to organization when it comes to public lands and public water. Right. I know we're a little short on time because I think you have an announcement that's coming up. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, is that what Chris came in here? Yeah, right? yeah, he, yeah. He gave us the, he gave us the two-minute mark. Yeah, I don't get my own life anymore. People no. tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to I want to tee this one up. You know, there's, we could talk you know, for hours with you, sure. um, but want to be sensitive to your time. But I want you to kind of give us you know your thoughts on the significance of you know muster in the mountains as as an event, first East Coast event of this size and what it means in terms of supporting that, that long-term vision. Man, I, I think the first thing I would say, and it's that community piece that we've been talking about is bringing people together. You know, I mean, again, we've talked about where all these people are coming from, you know, and there, there's a ton of kids here, you know, and, and then there's, you know, Richard Kaysen who's hosting this, who's kind of on the end, you know, he's, he sees much less uh, seasons. I think is the way Randy Newberg talks about it, like in his future, yeah. right? like, like he wants to pass on. And like, when you see this, like in the womb of time, all these people that are here, like there's a hope that conservation is going to happen. So I would say that is the first piece. It's just this community piece is super exciting. Second piece is, is that, you know, we've got all these games that are going on. It's very interactive, you know? Right. And so as we do more events and our rendezvous in particular, which is our, you know, big event that we do once a year, is how do we incorporate more hands-on stuff and getting people outside, you know? And right. like, again, like all these kids that are here, how we have stuff for them um, to get, just to get them engaged. And like, I mean, cause I always, I always say this is that, you know, we're, we're like these little cogs on the wheel right now and we're doing as much as we can, like while we're on this earth, but somebody's gonna have to pick up those mantle when we're gone. And yeah. who is that going to be? And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks are aging out 
and there hasn't been an organization that's kind of like that next generation of leaders. And I think that's one of the things that we're providing. Right. And, and, you know, that's why you want these kids to get engaged. I mean, I talked to some kids yesterday, 11 years old, and they did a 42-mile hike in the Bob Marshall Wilderness. Jeez. Yeah. 11 years old. That's amazing. Backpack. No, like, horses. Like, no llamas helping them out. Like, it's like, and so that's like that next generation. So I think this event in particular is bringing people together, and then that energy goes home. And those little, like, those little roots, you know, from the tree. Maybe tentacles is not okay. Yeah, like, right. it's an octopus. And I don't right. Know what that is, but, <laughs> um, those roots go out. And so I think the significance of that just helps us grow even more out here in the East. And, and really, I think, get people engaged on issues that are out here. Um, but also, you know, make sure that they know that that 640 million acres it belongs to all of them. Belongs yeah. to all of us. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's such, like, and going back on that community piece, it's funny. I was working at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg. I was working the Maven Optics booth, and people would come up and say, say they'd listen to the podcast or whatever. Yeah. And the guys from Maven said, they're like, 90% of people that that listen to your podcast have a, either a BHA shirt or yeah, yeah, line yeah. on or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we could see your demographic. Like, yeah, right. it's, it's, right. And I'm like, it's just, they're all like-minded, you know, people that are getting together. And now, we, you know, there's a kind of a place to be able to, to do that and be able to connect with them. And it's been super cool. Like, yeah. we've only been here for, you know, a few hours here today maybe more time has passed than i thought but just awesome hearing from people yeah. and stories yeah. and i always ask you know what how did you you know get involved with bha or what made you come here to just kind of i love hearing the the interesting everyone's story like yeah their, their, their path totally. want to be sensitive to your time before chris comes over and wrestles the headsets off of yeah, all, yeah right of us. um but if you wouldn't mind let folks out there li- that are listening know where they can find more information about bha and how they can get involved totally so we have a, a very i mean it's i'm biased but our website's awesome it's backcountryhunters.org yep. we, it's not that we don't care about the anglers that would have been really long though like right. backcountryhuntersandanglers.org <laughs> but it's backcountryhunters.org uh metadata and, right yeah right yeah. and then uh and then so that's like like that'll give you and you can dive deep into BHA there um, and look at all the stuff that we're doing. If a day-to-day, like Instagram, is probably like the best thing to see like what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And whether that's events that we're doing all across the country, whether that's an issue like the Land and Water Conservation Fund that you can take action on, uh, I think Instagram is a great place. Um, and then once you become a member, you know, you get connected to your local chapter. And so you'll, fi- you'll get emails from them. Um, and they'll tell you about events. They'll tell you about things going on in the state, things that are going on out in Washington, D.C. Uh, and, and so I, I think like, the best probably thing is to go check us out on, on our website and then really start following us on social media. And, then, you know, we're an open book. And if there's any ever questions, like, don't hesitate to ask. Like, I, there's nothing for us to hide. And um, I think that's refreshing a little bit yeah. um, that we call it like we see it. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, yeah. we're gonna let you get going. Yeah, hey, I enjoyed this, and I'm sorry yeah. I was getting cut off. Like, it's, it's been a good conversation. Sorry. We'll chat over beers later. Uh-huh. It'll be cool. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are those? <laughs> we don't do that. Uh, Appreciate your time. Bro. Thank you so much, Thank man. You. It's Land- been awesome. Yeah. Hey, yeah. awesome, Land. Appreciate Thank you. Yeah. Land Tony, everyone. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank Land for joining us. And, of course, would like to thank all the BHA staff and volunteers for putting on a kick-ass event this past weekend. And maybe even more importantly, I'd like to say thank you to all of you out there for just being a kick-ass community to be part of. You know, super proud to be part of this, you know, hunting and angling family that we that we have. And uh, if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do that for us. And before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, Obsession Bows, Ram Cat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. I ain't welcome.
want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, T-shirts, long-sleeve T-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.